Hello, everybody. I'm Patrick Duffy. I'm so glad to be here for the Military Aerospace and Manufacturing Day, kicking off the FreightWaves Global Supply Chain Week event. Um, I'm the president of the Blockchain and Transport Alliance, BIDA, as it's commonly known. Since 2017, BIDA has fostered a global community of innovative companies that power the global supply chain. Together and through the principle of co-opetition, we seek to build out open source data elements that will power blockchain-enabled commerce. And I'm thrilled to be joined today by Jeffrey Curtis, who's the Vice President of Defense and Supply Chain at SimbaChain. And Jeff, welcome. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Thanks. And so before we get into SimbaChain, um, can you give the audience some context as to why SimbaChain has brought you on? Maybe a little bit of uh, background about yourself, your career, and what this new role entails. Yeah, uh, no, thank you very much. I'd be glad to. Um, so uh, I retired out of DOD in, um, I think, right at the end of 2018. And I had been there 33 years, which is like a third of a century, which makes me feel very old. But um, I had stumbled into logistics when I was when I was young. Um, I had kind of a typical hard scrabble college time where I, the first year, you know, you kind of think maybe that doesn't count, uh, but it does put you behind in terms of getting out in four years. So um, I was looking one day like, what's going to get me out of here the quickest? Which is not the best way to make a career decision, by the way. But um, so I was looking through, and there was something called transportation and logistics. And I'm like, oh, this will get me out quick. But the more I looked at it, I had been a math guy by trade. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, I think this is good. So I became a logistics major. And honestly, that 15 second description is how I became a logistics major. It was not the most well thought out thing I've ever done. But it seems I, like a lot of people fall into logistics. Yes. So I don't think that's too unusual and will probably resonate with the audience. Yeah, I don't think anybody grows up with this passion that I can't wait to graduate, go to college, graduate, and become a supply chain guy. Um, it, it doesn't have the sexiness. Um, and it's not that sexy until something goes wrong, and then it gets exciting real, real quick. Um, so it's incredibly important. Um, I'll circle back real quick to my career, but one of the things, um, my daughter is usually my baseball buddy, and she's an adult now, but when we would go to games, I would ask her about the umpire. And she's like, I don't know. Why would I know anything about the umpire? I'm like, no, that means he did a great job. I mean, he was not, he was almost invisible. Every, he did everything right. And I think through my career, that was kind of how that worked was if nobody noticed what I did at the Defense Logistics Agency, which I'll talk a little bit more about, um, all the military guys had their food, their clothes, their medicine. They had their spare parts, things were running, and they were ready to operate and defend the country. Um, that means we did a great job. They didn't notice. They didn't have to worry about it. Um, it, it got lively when something went wrong and DLA did about $40 billion a year in business with the military, and which would have put us uh, like maybe 60 or 70 in the Fortune 100. And you do that much, every once in a while something's going to happen. And when it did, it got, like I said earlier, real lively, real fast. So um, uh, it's just stunningly important. It's just below the radar almost. And that's the way it needs to be. So I... Um, uh, going through college, I, I, uh, somebody came to talk to one of our classes one day and said, hey, you should do co-ops and internships, co-ops being where you go to school for a quarter, back to, and then to work for a quarter. And I'm like, yeah, this sounds good. And I ended up with a, at a place I didn't really know much about called the Defense Construction Supply Center in Columbus, Ohio. I went to Ohio State. And it was just this wonderful match. And it turned out they were part of the Defense Logistics Agency. And it was just a good match. And I came in making six bucks an hour 
um, which was more than Blockbuster, rest in peace, and McDonald's were paying at the time. And I did that for a couple of quarters. And when I graduated, they said, do you want to stay? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to do this um, as a career. And did, and did that. And eventually it was just this wonderful match. And I started moving up and I went to Chicago for a few years and then I came back to Columbus. And then pretty much most people can figure if you're in DOD and you want to make a career out of it, you're going to end up in, in Washington at some point or the national capital region. So uh, the family came down here and I did well here and eventually became what's called an SCS, and which is the civilian equivalent of a, an admiral or a general or a flag or general officer. And did that. Did you get and- right through the stars? I did not. I tried. They, they didn't. They didn't go for that too much. That uh, that was apparently a bridge too far. They didn't like that or my Slipknot T-shirt. So somewhere in between was this middle ground that they uh, that they liked better. But um, people would ask a lot. Like they'd ask for career advice and like, how did you do this and, and so on. And I said, be mobile. Be even if you can't move, be um, organizationally mobile. And there's such opportunities. At DLA, there were huge opportunities. At DOD, there's huge, huge opportunities. And then if you think where I live here in Northern Virginia, there's the entire federal government almost and even bigger opportunities. But as I told people that, I realized I'd been at the same agency for 29 years. And I started thinking like, you know, I should eat my own dog food, physician heal thyself, whatever the right pithy little uh, phrase is. And I went to work at OSD in the Office of the Secretary of Defense um, in DOD headquarters and worked on reform uh, when uh, General Mattis came in under the last administration as the secretary and ran a lot of that and a lot of something called category management. And there was an opportunity to retire. Um, And I thought, you know, uh, I I just saw my my youngest kid walk by the door a moment ago. Um, He's in college now. So I thought both one kid's out of college, the other one's in. I could roll the dice and retire and take an early retirement and see what happens. And I did. And uh, looking back, I I was quite frightened. Um, And it's like, what's this new frontier going to look like? And I was at a a supply chain risk consortium or whatever the right phrase was. And I met a young man named Anjan Roy, and everybody seems young to me, but uh, he's he's quite the adult, but uh, somebody younger than me. And he said, hey, I I, I heard you talking. I know who you are. Uh, I work for a blockchain startup. any interest in part-time and consulting and this and that, and yeah. So I ended up uh, in a blockchain company and part of what they were doing was a lot of supply chain, which lends itself to blockchain very well and vice versa. And I did that for about eight or 10 months and they said, do you want to stick around full-time and be vice president of defense and supply chain? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Um, I had no plans. I guess it was almost like um, becoming a logistics major at Ohio State. It wasn't a well-thought-out plan. The universe spoke, and every once in a while, I have the good sense to listen. And uh, it was kind of serendipitous, but that's how I got to Simba, and it's just been phenomenal. So after a career of entrepreneurship inside of a huge organization, you finally took the entrepreneurial step. Yeah, and it's incre- it's, it's quite a jolt. Um, it's like shifting paradigms uh, without a clutch. Um, it's just this... Jolt, uh, I was making some notes earlier and I did some checking. DOD's budget, which I think this year is probably 730 or so in terms of billions, billions with a B, is about the same as the gross domestic product. I think of Finway, or Finway yeah, Finland and Norway, and probably Fenway Park as well. But Finland and Norway, um, 
it's the equivalent of their of the gross domestic product of these two notable major countries. So to go from that and the inertia that you fight every day, which isn't bad, it's just a fact of life, and all the bureaucracy, which is also good and just a fact of life, to something as nimble as a three-year-old startup in blockchain, a new technology, um, was jarring. And thankfully, they've been wonderful to me and uh, have given me a lot of latitude because it's, uh, it's new. It's a new frontier. There is no doubt. Well, that's awesome. And so let's dive into it. And I'm going to jump a little bit ahead in what I wanted to talk with you about, but you brought up a really great point. You know, siloization creates data, siloization of data creates problems and understanding where an asset is and who owns it and its provenance is absolutely critical in supply chains and even more so in military theaters. So you're talking about the level of the, the volume that the DLA is dealing with and the, the level of supply chain complexity at the DOD and DLA is just, um, you know, next level. Can you talk about, you know, the, the current state of supply chain orchestration capabilities and why blockchain or DLT technology that Simba Chain is exploring might offer a better solution for the future? So um, I, I mentioned earlier, I was kind of a math guy going through junior high, high school and into Ohio State. And it was great when I got to DLA, Defense Logistics Agency, because I mean, just there's tons of data. And as one of my uh, um, pseudo mentors, I guess you could call her, but somebody who had a uh, profound impact on my career mentioned one day, she said, we are data rich and information poor. And I think that applies to most big organizations. Um, how do you turn that data into information? And I'm not a data guy by trade, but I was a good analyst, and I think I probably still am. Um, and it was just, that was my forte. I could take this data and turn it into something meaningful, turn it into something that could be acted upon. But one of the challenges I, I found as I look back on my career was um, I probably, Patrick, spent two thirds of my time on a project cleaning data. The data always shows up dirty. The data, data hygiene problem. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that had to be fixed before you can do your analytics. And I would spend probably two-thirds of my time trying to fix, to your words, which are great, the hygiene of that data and clean it up before you can do the analytics. And we were all doing that. And I think how many... Um, man hours, how many FTEs, how many man years were spent with some brilliant people that were working around me or for me or near me, and that we could have been doing analysis and solving problems and so on. And so the phrase single version of the truth came up. And I think it's this wonderful phrase. Um, Simba and, uh, and some folks, uh, friends of mine, are working with a, a large um, civilian entity within um, the federal sector. And they said, here's this data for every entity we want you to work with or potentially work with. There's three versions of the data. There's three data sets. Which one is right? And I was like, ooh, um, you know, it's kind of startling. So that single version of the truth is just so important. And within DOD, um, I won't go into too many details about some of the struggles, but uh, they're out there in open media. But knowing what you have, where it is, who has it, is awfully important. So again, single version of the truth. And if things are being shipped from, you know, you'll talk like factory to foxhole. So they'll come from this major manufacturer or a small mom and pop. 
to DLA in our warehouses and then be shipped to a customer who may take them downrange into theater. Um, knowing who has it, when they got it, when it moved, and so on, because you don't want it on two sets of books. You don't want me to think I still have it, even though I shipped it to you, and you think you have it. Well, where is it? So you, you need that. That's important. And I think almost as bad is I think you have it, you think I have it, and it's on neither of our books. So that one... And it's one thing when it's a, a toilet paper package. It's another thing when it's a munitions shipment. Yeah, or uh, nuke items or this or whatever. It, it's You really want to know where it is at every every point in time. And that, especially when it's in transit, um, you know, uh, I looked up something today. I bought uh, actually from the, the Baseball Hall of Fame. I brought a, I bought a few things, and it said it's in transit. It'll be here Friday, and I looked at it again today, and it says it's like shipped is the last thing. It's somewhere out there. I don't know. It's somewhere out there, um, which I think was in a movie a few years back in the 80s. But the um, but it said it would be here today. I'm looking out the window here. I don't think it's going to arrive. But because of weather and other things, it's just out there somewhere. So the ability to know where something is all the time, all the time, especially as you talked about with munitions and um, medical um, antigens and so on is is important. So that's why I think it's, it's resonated like it has with the military. And so let's talk specifically about SimbaChain. So my understanding is, is that SimbaChain is seeking to democratize the use of this type of technology by offering it up as blockchain as a service platform. Um, some jargon and some acronyms in that sentence. Can can you break that down? You know, what what's the what's that mean with as little jargon as possible? So when I mentioned earlier that we worked out this agreement with Ohio State to get it into their um, their business school and the supply chain classes. Um, it was the business school. It wasn't the computer science. And the great thing is you don't need to have the, the master's or the PhD in the latest. Uh, I hear words in meetings, Patrick, and I, I feel bad. I just don't want to give myself away as being the old guy. It's like, I, all right, we're talking about Kubernetes. I don't know what that is. Um, but Ian and Joel do, and it seems important, so I'm just going to nod. Um, but I know my way around supply chains probably as well as anybody um, in, in normal population. Um, but what Simba has done is it's almost like drag and drop. Um, the APIs, the applied uh, programming interfaces, the speaking of you know, the coding and the program from one software system to another is all built into the Simba product. Um, and that's why I go back to Joel setting up five supply chains or five, uh, old school, five blockchains in, um, you know, 60 seconds. It's drag and drop. All right, what do, what do you want to track and from where? And then it will do the uh, the APIs internally. So hopefully that's about as as high level or seems appropriate in terms without too much yeah. I, I think that works really well. You know, I was, we were talking earlier and I loved it in the Microsoft Azure store, you know, like the first like line of y'all's offering is no blockchain experience, no problem. And I think, you know, no code or low code solutions in this space are really going to accelerate the adoption. Yeah, and that's one of the great things is whether it's Azure or whether it's, you know, AWS, these other platforms and cloud and so on. Um, People start talking Ethereum and Quorum and things that admittedly go over my head. But what I do know is every time somebody asks me that, it's like, yeah, it's fine. 
It's like, well, we, can we do it on this? So whatever the blockchain is, whatever the distributed ledger technology is, the DLT, um, I watch the guys at blockchain and they're wholly nonplussed by all of this. Just, yeah, sure. And uh, I, I think it's it just works. Thing. Yeah. And so in speaking about it just working, SimpaChain's had quite the, the progression from idea through DARPA, through the Small Business Innovation Research Grant programs. You know, that's, that's quite the path to public product consumability. You know, what, what should the audience take away from that journey? So I think the one thing is that it can be done. So when I was at um, DLA um, the last four or five years of my career, I was in charge of logistics policy and strategy. So pretty much a lot of the execution would report to me. So um, the uh, research and development office, the logistics research and development reported to me, and that included CIVR, Small Business Innovative Research. And it's great. But to graduate, as you said, Patrick, through all three phases, phase one, phase two, phase three, going from here's a, here's a few thousand bucks, 80,000, whatever that number is, here's, here's this amount of money, we'll help fund you, get started, let's see how it goes, to phase two, can you get through that? And then phase three, where, as you said, you're kind of commercializing and marketizing this. Um, it's hard to do. And I would say there's a pretty good attrition rate. I, I don't know the exact data, but not too many people make it, but it can be done. Um, Simba did it, and I think that's in great, um, that's very much a function of, of Joel Neidig and Ian Taylor, our co-founders, who are the CEO and CTO now, just being re relentless with this. So the big takeaway is it can be done. It's not easy. And you know, once you get through it, you're still a startup uh, with all the challenges that come with that. But um, with all the goodness that comes with it, too, and being nimble and be able to, I won't say turn on a dime, but to just, uh, be, just be nimble, um, which is not DOD strength. DOD strengths are very different. So um, to do that, but yeah, the takeaway is it can be done. So, so you used the word nimble a second ago, and the word nimble or flexible seems to be in stark um, uh, disagreement with traditional ideas around leveraging blockchain technology, this idea around immutability or at least making it very challenging to change what's been agreed upon by a network of stakeholders. Do you feel with your experience that that type of, you know, they call it triple entry accounting, if they, if you want to get into that, that side of things, like, is that an asset or is that an additional challenge of leveraging this tech for the military sector? So I think historically it would have been a challenge because you would have had to have found folks that know how to do that accounting, how to do that coding, how to do that programming. Um, this turns that into a, very much a strength of, um, of Simba because literally it's almost drag and drop. I'm not, I won't say it's like purely drag and drop. You need to know some other things. Um, but really it, it can take it to the, the analysts. It can take it to the business people. And we use that word democratization earlier. Um, it takes it down to the folks that can actually use it and that know how these things work, as opposed to me telling um, you, hey, um, hey, programmer, I need you to do this. And then you do it, but things get lost in translation. And then you bring it back to me and you say, is this what you want? It's like, oh, almost. And back to the Ohio State, uh, not even an analogy, but real life again, it's going to the business students. So I think it's a, just a wonderful, um, 
a tool that's taken it down to the to the user level. And so it's great that the usability is coming down from somebody that has to be really technical to somebody that's more business strategic maker, or business process decider. Um, in my experience, anecdotally, it still seems like the decision makers to move forward on these projects is still at the C-suite level. Um, when executives are thinking about whether or not blockchain or DLT style solutions, uh, are they right for us? You know, what are the questions they need to consider? Yeah, um, so I think uh, within DOD, auditability, I think, is a challenge. DOD is the only um, executive level department um, within um, within the federal government that doesn't have a clean audit opinion. Um, DOD is so huge, and I, I will go back to, you know, the Scandinavian uh, nations, pretty much pick any two, and it's, they're about the size of, uh, of DOD. So to get through an audit, well, just that the words I actually just used there, to complete an audit was a success, just having it done. Passing it was pretty much not the, uh, it's the goal, but I think we were realistic to just getting through it. Um, there was a phrase, I'm grabbing a pencil here or a pen, that we didn't want to hear, and it's called pencils down. And it just means I can't, everything is so messed up, I can't even do this. I can't even audit you. But we got through an audit, which was just a huge success. And that audit, while costing a lot, also identified lots of um, goodness, um, assets we didn't know we had, that we didn't know were, were ready to go and that were ready uh, in terms had been maintained. So um, that's one thing. When you talk about auditability, blockchain is great. When you talk about wanting a single version of the truth, when you need to know where something is, um, when you want to have the process, and, and one of our guys at the Simba made a comment the other day that I thought was just so prescient. Somebody said, I've heard about this, but I don't really know what it is. And he said, just think if you want to know what you did and when you did it forever. It can never be changed. So it's not going to get lost. It's um, distributed. So there's no single point of failure. You will know what you did and when you did it. So whether that's money, whether that's um, uh, goods and assets, um, you will know. And so you don't have to worry about, well, when did we lose track of it? And you can just start following it through. So I think decision makers need to um, know that. We're at a point now where the decision makers are starting to say, I need it for this. At one point we had, um, there was an entity within DOD that said, I want blockchain. And when his or her folks said to do what? Uh, the, the answer was, I want blockchain. Uh, no clue as to why, just I've heard about this. I think there's a quote from an admiral back in like World War One or two of, I don't know what this logistics thing is, but I want some of it. It was kind of similar to that, but now we're getting past that and it's, hey, I can use it for this. Um, I have this uh, problem over here I can solve. And it's it's working its way into the, into the genuine mainstream. That's awesome. And so our 20 minutes goes by so fast. Um, I could sit here and talk with you and, and I plan on following up think, for, for more conversation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, SimpaChain has this great four-question quiz on your site to, to let people figure out, you know, if blockchain's the right path for a certain project. Um, I certainly would encourage people that are interested in figuring out that to check it out. Where can people find the quiz and where can people learn more about SimpaChain? 
So just simbachain.com, um, they've done a great job with the website. Um, go in there. I don't have the what comes after that first slash uh, memorized, but simbachain.com. Um, it's, uh, it's amazingly nimble. You'll see um, use case studies. I think the quiz is great. Um, you'll see the batch of us that uh, are part of the early team here. Um, it's good stuff, and it's uh, it's genuinely a great place. I um, I can't say enough good things about them. Not just the product, but also the culture. And uh, coming out of the first job after my 33, 34 year DoD career, it's been a wonderful landing spot, and they've just been great. And and the product is uh, is just spot on. Awesome. Well, I know we're excited to uh, investigate the yeah. product a little bit yeah. more as we push into the implementation phase at the Blockchain and Transport Alliance. So. Thanks, Jeff, so much for joining us today. I encourage everybody to tune in over the next week as the Great Wave uh, team brings the uh, audience experts from uh, the automotive, uh, consumer product, good, and all sorts of different supply chain verticals. Thanks so much. We'll see you later.